morning, brethren and friends. Uh, we welcome you to our Freshy Sunday, which is the first Sunday of the month whereby we have topics that will be of interest to our guests and to our visitors. Uh, this is towards the end of the year, and we have gone through a series of lessons on what if. Uh, if you're interested to find out about the other lessons, they are actually loaded onto our website, and you can take advantage of them. Very excellent series, very good speakers, so we have to encourage you to take a look at this series. And ending off this series on uh, what if, today we'll be discussing what if tomorrow never comes. You know, recently I watched a Korean musical with my wife. Uh, uh, the show is titled Life is Beautiful. It's about this uh, wife who upon discovering that she has cancer and that she has only a very short limited time to live. She says about making a bucket list. Okay, so a bucket list is something that you want to accomplish before you leave this earth. Okay, so she has a lot of things that she listed. And on top of this list is that she wants to find her first love. Okay, to experience true love. And of course, during the journey, they recall their precious moments that they spent together and they rekindle their love for each other. You know, after this movie, my wife actually asked me, uh, what is on my bucket list? Uh, what do I want to achieve? Okay. So I actually told her that the only thing that I uh, definitely want to achieve is to be able to get to heaven and to be able to go there with my loved ones and to bring as many people as I can along with me. Of course, if the Lord is gracious, He blessed me with a long life, there are things I would like to do. I would like to grow with my wife, travel with her, travel with my loved ones, uh, being able to see my nephew and niece grow up, get married, have their own family. There will be things that I would love to do. But even if I don't have to, but even if I don't get to achieve all of this, so long as uh, I make it to heaven with those that I love, those who are considered dear to me, I think that will be good enough. Because I don't think there's anything on earth we'll regret missing out on so long as we make it to heaven. You know, the Bible also mentions about someone who has a bucket list, or maybe you call it, call it life goals that he wants to achieve. It's a very typical kind of person, a people, person in the world, who has all these plans that he has laid out for him. And this man is mentioned in Luke chapter 12. He was blessed with a bountiful harvest. Okay. And so what did he say? He says, I will build down, I will, I will pull down my barns and build greater. I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. I will take dines, eat, drink, and be merry. You know, this person is someone whom we often address as the rich fool. Uh. But if you look, consider him, actually his plans are not that different from many of us, isn't it? For instance, he wants to tear down his bus and build greater. Today, all of us want to have more, don't we? We want to be able to find a job that pays us well. We want promotions. We want to have higher salaries. Similar goals that we have. A lot of us also want to grow our money through investments. This person says, I want to tear down my bus. I want to put all my fruits and all my labors into it. We also want to see our money grow. We invest our money. Now the interest rate is very high. Ah. I know Singaporeans, a lot of us want to invest money. Uh, you go to the banks, ah, the FDs you want to place, ah, wow, long queues. We also want to grow our money. And of course, all this is for the hope that we can retire, we can live comfortably. Because we know that in Singapore, the standard of living is so high. Inflation is at an all-time high. We want to have enough for our future. Same as this person. He says, I want to take my ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Of course, these goals, there's nothing wrong with them. All of us want to have a good life, want to give our families a comfortable life. But the problem is only if this is the only goals that we have. We have no spiritual goals, we don't plan for eternity. That's where this man's problem lies. And why do we call him the rich fool? Because he has so many plans that he has in his life. But the thing is that 
What he did not know that was that God would take away his life the very night. There will be no tomorrow for him. In fact, God says, Thou fool, okay, you have laid out so many things. Who shall all these things be for whom you have provided? There will be no tomorrow for him. All the plans he has will go to waste. And so brethren, if we consider our, as we consider the question for this morning, what if tomorrow never comes? I would like for us to think, what would we do if today is the last day that we have on earth? If we know that tomorrow will not come for us, what would we do? What will happen to us when we leave this earth? What kind of legacy do we want to leave behind? So let us consider these questions and more as we consider the question, what if tomorrow never comes? What if tomorrow never comes in view of infirmity? The word infirmity means the state of being weak in health or in body, especially from old age. So what we are saying is that what if tomorrow never comes for those who die naturally from old age or severe illness? We know that life on us is very limited. A lot of times, as we grow older, we are aware of our mortality. When we have severe illnesses, we know that our life is very, very limited. In fact, the psalmist tells us about life on earth. He says in Psalm 90 verse 10, or rather Moses writing in Psalm 90 verse 10, he says, the days of our years are three score years and ten. Okay. So one score is actually 20 years. So three score means 60 years plus ten more, so 70. So the, Moses tells us, average lifespan, about 70 years. If by reason of strength, they be it's four score years. So four score years is 80 years old. If you are healthy, if you have uh, advancements in science today, if you are taking care of ourselves well, perhaps God blesses us with 80 years of age. Okay. But he says that yet is the strength, labor and sorrow, for it's soon cut off and we fly away. So life of us is indeed very short. Those of us who are approaching towards 70, 80, uh, I think we are actually counting down our days and trying to live our lives meaningfully as we prepare for eternity. So for those who are reaching towards this age, 70 years old, 80 years old, they have to prepare themselves. And how do people prepare themselves? Well, in the world today, people prepare for such circumstances by making their will. Uh, okay? As you approach towards your end of life, a lot of times you make your will. Uh, you don't want your money to go to the state. Uh, so you plan your will, how much you want to give your family, your loved ones, your wife, your husband, your children. We make plans for that. Okay? We also sometimes make plans for our funeral arrangements. In the past, uh, people are more pantang, uh, they are more superstitious. They don't like to talk about that. They don't like to plan for that because they think that by talking about it, uh, uh, maybe I will die sooner. Uh. Okay. But today, people are more enlightened. Uh. Uh, they want to be able to prepare. So they want to talk about what kind of funeral arrangements uh, I want to have. Okay. In fact, I was talking to my wife uh, some time ago uh, that uh, when I die, uh, uh, don't waste money on funeral. Uh. Uh, save the money for living expenses because the funeral, you won't know why. You won't know what's happening. Your soul is already gone from the body. Okay. So today, we make plans. We want to plan, make sure that our family is taken care of. We want to make sure that uh, things are done after we pass on from this life. But the question is, when we make all these plans, as we know that our life here on earth comes to an end, are we preparing God's people like David? Look at what David did uh, when he knew that his life was coming to an end. Of course, King David knew that as he grew older, the day will come when he will die. His reign will come to an end. But notice that his concern wasn't about which of my treasures go to which son. He had a lot of sons. He wasn't concerned about that. But what he was most concerned was for God and his glory and his honor. Firstly, we see that he was preparing the materials as he knew that he would die. 
He prepared the materials for the building of God's temple. He had a heart that desires towards God. He wanted to build a house for God. But God says he's a man of war. He has blood on his hands. So he will not be the one to build God's temple. But his son, Solomon, will be the one to build a temple for God. Of course, today we know that the temple is a type of the church. So when we pass on this life, do we prepare the church for success, for continuation after we leave? Notice that David didn't say that, oh, it's my son's job, ah, so let him do all the hard work. I don't need to do anything, it's up to him. Because I'll be gone, my soul will be back with God. Uh, doesn't matter to me what happens to the next generation. Well, that's not his thought. Because he prepared abundantly for the temple. Notice what he says in 1 Chronicles 22 verse 5. David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender. He knew that Solomon does not have much wisdom, much experience in life. So he wants to make preparations for him. And he says, the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent, of fame and glory throughout all countries. I will therefore now make preparation for it. He says, God's house must be a glorious house. It must honour God, it must glorify God. So I will make preparations as much as I can. And notice what the Bible says. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Before he lives his life, he makes sure that Solomon has everything he needs to build a temple, to build a magnificent temple. In fact, he prepared more than what is needed. If you look at 1 Chronicles 29 verse 2, okay, 1 Chronicles 29 verse 2 tells us further of the preparations that David made. David says, Now I have prepared with all my might, okay, all his might. Notice earlier he prepared a lot of quantity. Now he prepared with quality, with everything to the best of his ability. Okay, notice what he says, I prepare with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for things to be made of gold, silver for things of silver, brass for things of brass, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glittering stones of diverse colours, all manners of precious stones, and marble stones in abundance. He tells himself that God must have the best. Everything that they needed, I will prepare for God's house. So brethren, the question is, do we make preparations for the church? If we know that one day we'll pass on this life, will we prepare the next generation so that the church can continue to flourish? Do we prepare the materials? And materials, I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about programs, activities of the church, the curriculum to help to make sure that the church will continue to grow. The church will not die with this generation. And that's the plan that we have for Eastside. We have elder, older brethren that came along with us. And their aim is here to prepare the church. The younger generation must take out the mantle to prepare for the next generation of leadership. Not only did David prepare God's people, prepare the material, he also prepared the people as well. In 1 Chronicles 22 verse 17, the Bible tells us, David commanded all the princes of Israel to help Solomon, his son. This was a young man that came to the throne. Not much experience. He wants the people to help the son. And then in verse 19, he says, tell the people, to set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord, your God. So notice, David also prepared the people. He made sure that the people were well equipped, having the right heart, the right mind, in order to serve. Again, at his side, here we must prepare the next generation. We must prepare the people, the congregation, the leaders that will be leading the next congregation, the next generation. We must make sure that the people are receptive towards them. That's why we put a lot of our young men stepping up to the forefront to serve in various ministries, various roles. 
we need to put them to serve. And the people must be willing to develop themselves as well. So T. David tells them they must set their heart and their soul to seek God. So sometimes people have the question, why is it that we have so many Bible classes? Uh? Sunday we also have Bible class, we have sermon ready. We also meet week, we also have Bible class. Home zone, we come together, we also have Bible class. Dedication, Thanksgiving Day, we also have Bible class. Wow, so many classes. Do we need all of these? Well, the, question, the answer is, we really do. Because in order for the church to grow, in order for people to mature in the faith, we need to know God's word. So Bible classes are essential towards the objective, to help the church to grow. And sometimes we realize that Bible study is hard work. Uh, recently we have the series that concluded by Amos. Uh, of course not finished yet because Paul will continue on. Studying the book of Hebrews. Those of you who are in the Hebrew class, uh, I think you all also struggle a bit. Even I also struggle uh, to keep up. A lot of lessons being taught. A lot of good materials, a lot of doctrine being taught. A lot of us are very comfortable. Uh, yeah, I want to hear about Christian living. It's something that I already know. Uh, I'm very comfortable. I don't need to think so much. I don't need to agonize. But you see, when we continue to keep learning the fundamentals, the ABC so-called, uh, we don't really grow in our knowledge. We don't really grow in our faith. It's through this kind of intense book study that we grow. That's why we need to study the Bible daily. We need to prepare ourselves so that when the generation before us pass on, we are equipped to be able to teach, to be able to help others to know about the truth. Such is very important. So we need to encourage members, those that are not very actively attending Bible class, Join us for a midweek class. Join us for the Sunday Bible class. Prepare yourselves, okay, because one day, the older generation will pass on. We cannot always say that, oh, I depend on the, uh, Uncle Danny, Uncle Tien Singh, Uncle Peter to teach. We can't always depend on them. The day will come where we have to take out the mantle to be able to teach and to preach in Bible classes and in sermons. Not only did David prepare the people and the materials, notice he also prepared the successor. The successor must be named. When, when Moses was leading the God's people, before he passed on, he knew that the time will come. He will not enter the promised land. His topmost concern is that there must be someone to lead the people. He asked God to choose a leader among them. And Joshua was chosen. Similarly, David knew that God's people were like lost sheep. They needed a leader. And so what did he do? When he was old and full of days, the Bible says, he made Solomon, his son, king over Israel. The leadership problem is now settled. But, he must make sure that the leader was the right leader. So in 28 verse 9, he told Solomon, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of your father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. So a leader is chosen. He may be good in terms of all the physical aspects, but more importantly is that he must have a willing heart to serve. You may have a person who has best all the qualities, but if the person is not willing to lead, there is no initiative. Every time you want to make decisions, you must push him. Such will not be an effective leader. So even this congregation, as with those who are older in age, we have to prepare the next generation, the next future leadership. Okay. And that's why I say we have to prepare, put men to serve in various different roles, expose them to various ministries of the church, so that this can be future elders and deacons, having known the congregation well, and the church has trust in them. So a lot of our members are serving in very many new ministries. Okay. For example, in our upcoming June camp, uh, we have Mark and Paul being our ICs and two ICs. I think they have never done June camp, never done church camp before. Uh, okay. So this is something that is probably new to them. But we are thankful they took up the challenge. But sometimes we also have to be patient with them. Uh, a lot of times we serve in new ministries. People first time come up to speak. Uh, they may say things that are wrong. 
uh, they may not be as confident, they may not be able to deliver well. Well, we need to give them our encouragement. Tell them that you have done a good job. We trust that you will continue to improve. Rather than to put them down, uh, yeah, compare them with those who have more experience. Don't do that. Encourage our leaders, help them to grow, to mature. Give them our confidence. And one day, I trust that this congregation, the Lord will bless us with ruling elders and ruling deacons. So these are the things we need to put in place. We cannot let this congregation die off. Remember when Joshua passed on, there was no able leadership. What happened? The, the Israelites went astray. In the time of judges, they did what was right in their own eyes. So we need to help God's people to know the truth and we must have suitable leaders that will guide them, that will defend against the wolves, the false teachers that will infiltrate into the church. All these things need to be done as we prepare God's people because we know that our life on earth will one day come to an end. So the question is, we are oftentimes prepared physically for the things of this life. Are we prepared spiritually? Since we know that our time on earth is short, 70 to 80 years, the psalmist, or rather Paul Moses, tells us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Number our days is interesting. Uh. It means to count our days, uh, to use our time wisely. Okay. You know, people who are in the army, uh, they number their days. Uh. Okay, when I was in the army, I have an ORD calendar, uh, marking down how many days to ORD. And then when you, as it goes towards the, the, the nearer the date, uh, you prepare yourself starting to go to school. Uh. You have to go back to school. You have to uh, read up on some of the materials. You prepare yourself. You don't want to waste time. Okay. I'm sure Cornelius also has that. Uh. Uh, counting down the ORD date, uh, when you will start work, getting used to coming back into civilian life. Okay. So it's the same idea. As we know our days comes to an end, make sure that each day of our life is lived meaningfully for God. We want to make sure that we can get back to heaven when life is over. And for the Christian, even though life is short, he does not have to fear infirmity taking away, taking tomorrow away from them. Because by then, they will have rest from their labors. Life is short, uh, it's about 70, 80 years. But when you are working so hard your life, uh, you don't really find it short. Uh. Only when you retire, you say, time really flies. Uh. When you are working hard, grinding, making a living, uh, sometimes you say, oh, life so long, uh. when can I ever retire? When you retire, you say, time flies so fast. Okay. I was reading a newspaper article the other day. They say, why does it seem that the year passes faster and faster as you grow older? Uh? It's because actually it's relative to the number of years you live. If you live only like five years, each year uh, seems very long in comparison. But if you reach 50 years, what well, each year passes uh, is a very short period of time. So it's very relative. So when we know that our time on earth is short uh, and we have labored so hard, well, what do we look forward to? We look forward to rest. So a Christian does not have to fear death because once we live this life, we know that that is when we have permanent rest. And so in Revelation 14 verse 13, John says, I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead which died the Lord from henceforth. Yea, say the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. So don't have to be afraid about death for a Christian. Death is rest. And nobody is scared of rest. Uh. I won't go to sleep and scared that I, I, I'm sleeping. Uh. Why? Because it's something that we look forward to. So a Christian, as long as we are prepared, we can look forward to life after death. Next, we consider the question, what if tomorrow never comes in view of calamity? So calamity is defined as an event resulting in great loss and misfortune. Okay. So earlier the case, or a lot of times they can be prepared. As you grow older, you know that one day the day will come when you die. If you have illness, you know that the end will come soon. But when we talk about calamity, it's something that is unexpected. 
all of a sudden, we do not know when, we cannot plan for it. So tomorrow never comes for those who die unexpectedly from accidents or maybe misfortune. Okay. So a lot of time misfortune, wrong place at the wrong time. Okay. Uh, you are at a place, we read recently about news of a stampede in Korea. These people were there, a lot of them young people, at the wrong place at the wrong time. They pass on unexpectedly. Maybe we meet with accidents, again, we pass on unexpectedly. Or maybe you are hit by a natural disasters. So all these calamities may take tomorrow away from us. And that's why James tells us in James 4 verse 14, Wherefore, whereas you know not what shall be on tomorrow. We don't know about tomorrow, what will happen. For what is your life is even a vapour that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. So life is very short, very uncertain. Okay? Even though we may think that, oh my man, a lot, a lot more runway. Uh. Uh, for me, I'm about 40 years old. Maybe I think that I have 30 years. But maybe, who knows? Maybe there's something that happens to me, God take away my life. I don't have that, even that period of time to live anymore. So for because of that, people would then prepare for such circumstances. For instance, by buying insurance. You know, insurance products nowadays, they are more and more creative. Uh. A lot of different kinds of insurance products, so many different names that uh, you don't even know what there is. I remember when I was, that young, when I was younger, uh, my parents just buy life insurance for me. Oh, that's it already. Okay. Uh, but recently, I, I met, I have a friend, uh, a good friend who sells insurance. Okay. So every time I got new developments in my life, uh, he's very happy. Because that's an opportunity to sell more insurance to me. Uh, okay. So when I got started at work, of course, the church buy church, uh, hospital insurance for me. When I got married, he asked me, your wife got insurance or not? Uh? Your wife foreigner here, uh, that insurance are uh, uh, very expensive. Okay, so buy more insurance. Then they ask, uh, you got disability insurance or not? What if you disabled? Uh, uh, your wife uh, got, got money to take care of? Not? Okay, uh, buy insurance again. Okay. We keep buying and buying and buying. Okay. Where, so we become poorer and poorer. Even inflation, you can buy insurance. Uh. My friend tell me, inflation coming, like, you got save, you got, you got invest your money or not? Okay, I say, I, I don't mind, I don't, I don't, I'll just leave it for a time being first. Okay. But we buy so much insurance. Uh, we become poorer, the insurance agent become richer. Uh. My, my friend uh, upgraded the house already. Uh. Okay, uh, no, no, no surprise because a lot of people buy insurance. So we prepare ourselves physically, buy insurance. Okay. Or we may also have trust funds. Okay. We want to make sure our children uh, have uh, something to take care of them if we live this life unexpectedly. Okay. Uh, I haven't had children yet, so I don't have to buy insurance for them. Uh. But I'm sure like Paul, Susu, uh, maybe Emma uh, uh, and Shin, you probably have uh, education link policies for them. Okay. So that uh, if something happens to you, they will still have money towards their future. So we are well prepared for this. We know that life is uncertain. We prepare for all of this. We prepare our families physically, but do we prepare our families spiritually? Do we prepare our families like Joseph? Joseph is an interesting character. And when I talk about Joseph, I'm talking about the father of Jesus, or rather the earthly father of Jesus, because they are not related by blood. Okay? Because we know that Mary is conceived of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph is an interesting character. Because we read of him in the childhood of Jesus. Okay? Uh, he was very involved in Jesus' life. In fact, we look at his childhood. But the last mention of him is when Jesus was 12 years old. He went to the temple in Jerusalem. They brought him every year. Okay? But subsequently, you'll notice that interestingly, the rest of scriptures doesn't mention about Joseph. So, Bible scholars be, uh, believe that Joseph probably died uh, young uh, while Jesus was growing up. Because you'll notice, remember that when Jesus was on the cross, uh, what did Jesus tell John? He says, Behold your mother, behold thy son. If uh, Joseph was around, he wouldn't have passed on the, the taking care of the mother to John, uh, but probably because the father was not around. Okay. So probably Joseph had died young. But notice that Joseph did his job well. He prepared the family for eternity. Okay. He prepared himself as an example. 
even before he got married, he prepared himself already. Notice what the Bible says of him. He received news that Mary was with child. And because she was not married at that point in time, the logical conclusion that anyone would draw is that, oh, my wife, my, my fiancée has been unfaithful to me. So the Bible tells us that Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. So he thought that probably the fiancé had not been faithful. He wanted to put her away quietly. Why? Because he didn't want to make her a public example. Because we know that under the old law, if someone is found guilty of fornication, what is the punishment? Death by stoning. So he didn't want her to go through that kind of pain, that kind of humiliation. So he wanted to put her away. But of course, the angel told him, Fear not to take unto you, marry your wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. Okay. And so the Bible tells us that in verse 24, Joseph being raised up from sleep, deep as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. Notice that this was a just man, someone who did exactly what God commands him. Okay. He might think to himself, you know, I haven't got married, now I have a child, and this child is not even related to me by blood. Why should I take care of this responsibility? But that wasn't what Joseph thought. He wanted to obey God. Whatever God told him to do, he will just do it. So do we prepare ourselves like Joseph? Preparing ourselves even before we get married. Make sure that we have the right godly character. A lot of times we prepare ourselves physically. Uh, wow, I want to attract opposite uh, gender. Uh, find a partner. Okay, what do we do? Uh, we make sure that we make a good living. Uh, we make sure we go exercise. Uh, we make ourselves look fit, look good uh, to attract the opposite gender. Okay. My wife was complaining to me, to me the other day. Uh, before we got married, uh, hey, I used to look a bit more slim. Uh. After got married, put on weight. Uh. Okay, I tell her, say, maybe because your cooking is good, uh, that's why. Okay. But, but really, we do that. We prepare ourselves. Uh, make sure that we look good, presentable, have qualifications so that people will be attracted to us. But how about attracting the right partner by making sure that we have the right character? We will attract people who are godly, who are God-fearing. That is how we should prepare ourselves before marriage. And Joseph did that. Well, after he got married, he didn't say, ah, yeah, okay, already got a wife ready, good wife ready, got a son ready. Okay, that's it. Now I can enjoy life. Don't need to do anything. Not true, because he continued to prepare the family. If you look at Luke chapter 2, verse 39, he says, When they prepared, when they performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. Okay. So what did he do? What are all these things? He actually circumcised Jesus on the eighth day, and after the days of purification were over, they made offerings to God in Jerusalem. Okay. So remember Jesus was born in Bethlehem. They had to travel. A lot of times people say, oh yeah, travel with young children, uh, a bit inconvenient. Maybe wait for them to be older, then I do all these things one shot. Okay. Well, that's not Joseph. They did what God commanded them to do. And to this end, I think I want to commend the young parents in the congregation. A lot of you are very good examples, encouragement to us. We have like Paul, Tzu-Siu, uh, Mark, Mark family, Emma's family. You all bring your young children here. And especially those who have young children, babies, infants, it's always a challenge. Okay. Uh, Joy and Grace are always great examples to us. I know that whenever one of them works, the other part, partner will still bring the baby to church. It's not easy. I can imagine you have to drive, make sure the baby sticks well, make sure they are taken care of, breakfast eaten. They bring them to church. We also have Yongshin and Xiaobi recently have a new baby. Okay, if you don't know, uh, they live in quite far away, uh, in Woodlands, uh, and they don't drive, uh, but they bring their baby here. A great example, a great encouragement to us. And of course, I think this is very helpful because they are preparing their young children. They bring them for Bible classes. In fact, from personal experience, what I notice is that brethren who bring their children to, to Bible class, midweek and Sunday, uh, usually they tend to stand faithful. 
But whereas those their children do not come for Bible class, a lot of times they grow older, they will leave the church. That's usually the reality. So let us prepare our family, make sure they are well taken care of. And not only that, verse 41 tells us that his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Every year they had to make a long trip. I was looking up how long is Nazareth to Jerusalem. It's about 100 kilometers. So if you consider, it's actually two times Singapore length. So imagine you travel from Jurong to to Pasiris and then travel back to Jurong. That's how they travel uh, to go to Jerusalem. And now we have train. If you do that journey, I calculate maybe about three hours. But if you have walked by foot, it probably take you days. But yet, this man was so determined to obey God. Every year, they'll make the trip to bring them up to Jerusalem, then come back. And don't forget, at the age of 12, what happened? They almost lost Jesus. He was there at the temple. They say, oh, Jalan, lost him. Maybe next year don't go already. Later, wonder again, I have to go high and seek and find him again. Oh, they didn't know that. They continued to bring every year. Why? Because they knew it's important to obey God, to set an example for the family to follow. Joseph prepared his family in view of calamity. And then he also prepared the child. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Today, we prepare our families. We make them have the best education. We want them to be smart, intelligent children. We want them to be all around us. Bring them there for violin classes, swimming classes, martial arts classes, all the classes that we can think of. In fact, children today, I think quite poor thing. Uh, from child, uh, I think about two years old, uh, send them for all these enrichment classes. Not much time to play, but we are planning for their future. But notice that Jesus not only grew physically, but he grew in favor with God and man as well. Do we prepare our children, bring them to church, make sure that they have friends in church, they get to know people in the church, they join activities, they enjoy all these activities as they grow up. My parents always make sure that even though when we grow up, we don't really have a lot of money, but they'll save up for the June camp. And that's something I always enjoy. Going to church, camp with friends, brethren, enjoying the time. And the brethren that I grew up with, Amos, uh, Paul, all these people, we grew up, we become good friends because of the investment that the parents put into our, our children to make sure that they have time spent together. And not only that, notice the verse 3 uh, that Jesus was trained in a craft as well. He was trained in the craft of carpentry. Okay. So Jesus was they had to go through discipline, had to go through training. Okay. Joseph didn't spoil him. Uh. Joseph didn't say, oh, this is the son of God. Uh. I better don't uh, do anything too much. Uh. Let him have his life. Don't do, do better, don't, don't get involved. Today, a lot of times, we spoil our children. We let them have what they want. But discipline is good for them. Train them up to be useful citizens, people that can serve in the church. That was what Joseph did in preparing his family. So brethren, we prepare a lot for our families physically. We prepare them spiritually. Since we know that our time on earth is uncertain, we need to make plans with God's will in mind. After James, after talking about how life is like a vapor, how there's a lot of uncertainty, notice what James says. He says, you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. The key word is, if the Lord will. The rich fool did not have God in his plans. But we make plans. Make sure we have God in our plans. If let's say we are going overseas for work, make sure that we find a place that is a church. When our children want to get married, we make sure that they marry the right person. Because it doesn't just concern their happiness, it concerns their eternal salvation as well. These are things we can help our family to make sure that they have the best advantage they can as they grow up to be faithful to God. And again, 
The Christian does not have to fear death. They does not have to fear calamity taking tomorrow from them because the Bible tells us the righteous are taken away from the evil to come. As Isaiah 57 verse 1 says, The righteous perish, no man layeth it to heart. Merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. What a comforting thought. When we read the Bible, we read about Enoch being taken away. How do you say, hey, you're so poor thing, taken away. The family do not have his company, do not have his comfort. But well, Noah was spared the destruction of the world by flood, wasn't it? Today we think about people die young. It's a pity, it's a, it's a, it's a tragedy. But we think about it the other way. Actually, they are actually taken away from suffering on earth. We know life a lot of suffering. I was telling my wife, well, today the next generation is going to have it harder and harder. Today we're talking about pandemics, about wars, about all kinds of moral corruption. Society is going on a decline. Inflation going up, global competitiveness. It's a difficult world to live in. So when you look at it that way, it won't be a, it won't be a, a, a tremendous tragedy if you are taken away. We go back to eternity to enjoy life with God. So we need to be prepared. So long as we prepare ourselves for life after death, death is not so much a terror to us. The third question we want to ask is, what if tomorrow doesn't come? in view of eternity. Of course, we are talking about the second coming of Christ. So eternity is defined as a state of eternal existence that characterizes the afterlife. There is life after death. Do we prepare ourselves for eternity? Well, tomorrow never comes for everyone when Christ comes again because life on earth will come to an end. As Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 2 that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Again, this is something that is unexpected. You may say that, okay, I make sure I eat well, I make sure I, I sleep well, I uh, make sure I take care of myself so that I can live a long life. When I go out of the house, I make sure I'm very careful, don't get into an acting accident, I wash my waist, when the, when I make sure the traffic light is green before I cross the road. We take all care of all this. We can prevent ourselves from having our life shortened. But how about eternity? Can we prevent Christ from coming? We cannot. And that's why we need to always be prepared. What if tomorrow never comes? Again, in the world today, there are people who are not prepared. As Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 38, there are people in the tiny days of no world who are eating and drinking, who are marrying and giving in marriage. And Jesus says, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. People do not care whether when the flood will come. They were still going about their life until the, the no world flood came and then took away the world. Likewise, people today will be eating, drinking, having fun when the Lord comes again. The question is, are we preparing ourselves? Are we ready to meet God when Jesus comes? If today Jesus comes, there is no tomorrow. Are we prepared? We'll be with Him for all eternity when life is over. But the Bible tells us when Jesus comes again, the earth shall be destroyed. And 2 Peter 3.10 says, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall melt away with a great noise, and pass away with a great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The, world, the earth also and the works therein shall be burned up. So whole, this whole world will be destroyed when Jesus comes. And so because of that, we see that Paul knows that the world will be destroyed. So he says that he learned in whatsoever state he is, therewith to be content. If you know that this love, nothing is permanent, one day will be all gone. Why can't we be contented with the life that we have? Take for instance, today if you are going overseas for work, would you want to amass for yourself treasures, a lot of things, possessions? Would you want to go and build a beautiful house, buy a beautiful car? You won't. Because you say, after three years, I'm coming back. What for I go and buy? I may rent them, I make sure that I have enough, but I won't go and invest too much money on them. 
because one day I'm going to go home to my loved ones. Same thought here. We spend so much money investing our life on earth, but we know that one day we are going to go home to God for all eternity. So why do we spend so much on earth? We need to make sure that we use our money wisely to be contented with the life that we have. And when Jesus comes again, we know that there will be a resurrection. Okay. So in view of the resurrection, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16, Paul says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. So one day, there will be a resurrection. So Paul, knowing that one day he will be resurrected, it's no wonder that he says, none of the things that he suffered move him. Neither count him his life dear unto himself. And so that I may finish my course with joy, the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. You see, Paul was not concerned about his life on earth. He says, I'm willing to give up my life in order to preach the gospel. Why is that so? Because he knows that one day he will be resurrected. He will come back to life again. Okay. You know, this reminds me like a playing computer game. Ah. If you play a computer game, you know that you won life only. Ah. You die, ah, game over. What you do? Or you be very careful, make sure you don't die, right? But if you know that, hey, I die, I did respawn, come back to life again. I play Dota, I play Counter-Strike. Wow, die already straight away, come back to life. Don't care, just join and yell chong, get more frags. Why? Because you know that you come back to life, isn't it? So of course I'm not saying that we should live our life dangerously, recklessly. But I'm saying that we know as Christians, even if we lose our life, we will still come back to life. We will be resurrected. So we don't have to treasure our life so preciously. I am very scared to die. Today, if uh, I go to obey the gospel, the government of the, of the land has uh, restrictions. I'm scared that if I go to jail, I get killed. We don't have to worry about all that. Okay, of course, we are thankful that Singapore, we have religious freedom. But other countries, they may not have. But yet, we don't have to worry about that. Because even if we live this life, one day we will come back to life in the resurrection. And thirdly, Paul knew that there will be a judgment day coming. In Acts chapter 17, verse 31, Paul says, Because God had appointed a day in which he would judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he had ordained, whereof he had given assurance to all men in that he had risen him from the dead. Of course, Paul is talking about Jesus, who will be the judge of the earth. Paul knew that one day there will be a judgment. And because of the judgment, he says that knowing the terror of the Lord, we ought to persuade men. We need to persuade people to obey the gospel. A lot of times, we think that, oh yeah, our loved ones, we want to bring them to heaven. But I think I still get a lot of, long, a lot of time. Uh, maybe this time around, the next Friendship Sunday, don't need to invite. I still got a lot of Friendship Sundays away. The Bible seminar, every year also have. Uh, I'll just invite them the next time. But if we thought that, what if tomorrow never comes? We never have the opportunity to invite them again. What if you are called to meet God and your friend tells you, hey, I didn't know you were a Christian. Why you didn't tell me? Now I'm suffering in eternal hellfire because you never gave me the good news. How tragic that will be. As much as you have opportunity, let us go and bring the gospel to men. We have just had a lectureship series talking about evangelism. We have learned the tools. We have been motivated. Let us go. Okay, make sure that we are innocent of the blood of all men. As Paul himself says in Acts chapter 20. He's innocent of the blood of all men because whoever he knew, he bring the gospel to them. Are there friends, family members that we have never invited them before? Who never knew that we are Christians? We are held accountable for them. Okay, of course, if you invite them, they don't want to respond, then the blood will be upon their own hands. But if you have never invited them, their blood will be upon our hands. Let us take opportunity to invite people to help them to know of the saving grace of God. And so, brethren, are we prepared? Do we prepare ourselves if tomorrow never comes? 
since we know that life on earth is uncertain, what we need to do is to watch and be sober. We see that Paul talks about how Jesus will come as a thief in the night. So he said that if you don't know when the thief comes, you need to watch, you need to be sober. Recently, I learned a lesson in being watchful. You know, recently we had the lecture series that just finished. Uh, morning, a lot of us, we go to the, the, the 4C lectureship. At night, we come for the Bible seminar. The whole week passes by just like that. Okay? And of course, with this lectureship being gone, a lot of the household chores were left undone. Okay? So after this series, uh, I, we actually have a lot of clothing, a lot of laundry to do. Okay? So my wife usually will do the washing, and then I'll do the drying and the, uh, and the, and the folding. Okay? So my wife told me, hey, uh, uh, she washed, she already asked me to go and hang them up. Uh, put outside. La. Okay, so that's what I did. La. Okay, I saw, hey, good weather. La. Okay, never mind. Today I work from home. Uh, I'll just enjoy, close my door, enjoy the aircon and do my work. Okay, by the time I go, I say, hey, uh, still good weather. A bit of dark clouds, but the sun is still very bright, very shiny. Okay, so never mind. Go back and do my work. Okay, but after my wife called me, hey, raining heavily, really. you'll bring the clothes. Oh dear, I didn't. Uh. Very heavy. I don't, know, I don't know which day it was. It was Tuesday. I don't know whether I experienced it. Very heavy rains. All of a sudden, the wind blew, the clothes all fell, fell off the rack. And uh, the, the things were all wet. Okay. So, no choice. My poor wife to go and wash again. Okay. The next day, my wife told me, uh, make sure you wash the, the, the clothes. Uh. Okay. So, that's what I did. Uh. Every two hours, I'll go out and see, is it raining? Okay. One sign of a dark cloud, uh, straight bring everything in. That was being watchful. Because I knew that better don't get it done again. It's not my wife is going to kill me already. Okay. So, that's being watchful. So, we, we know that Jesus will come again. Shouldn't we also be watchful? Every single day, Watch ourselves whether we are living right with God. You know Job, the, 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 the character Job, what an amazing father. Every day he made offerings to God in case his children had cursed God in the heart. This was a very watchful man, uh, making sure that his children live their lives well. And so when the children were taken away from him, of course it's sad for him, but he has the relief, the comfort in knowing that my children were well taken care of. I did my best to look out for them. They were faithful to God. They, even though they live this life, it's a tragedy, but they will be with God. Do we have the kind of watchfulness for ourselves, for our families as well? And of course, the Christian does not have to fear eternity, taking tomorrow away from us, because we are going to a better place. Does anybody fear going for holidays? One, uh? If you go to a nicer place to enjoy life, uh, you won't be fearful. Uh? Okay. I know Emma and Sarah will be travelling uh, tonight. Uh, will, will, are they scared? Uh? Hey, I'm going to leave my house already. I'm so scared. No, you won't. You're looking forward. I better, faster, come back evening. We can travel already. In fact, we have a lot of time we go overseas, we don't want to come back. Uh, and your white time passed so fast. Uh, hope the time slow down, stop. Okay. I know Uncle Pote and Irene, I heard you're going for a cruise. Uh, I think the four days will pass by in a quick. Uh, yeah, so fast, I have to go home already. We want, we want to go to a better place. Well, when we leave this earth, if you are Christians, you are faithful to God. We don't have to be sad, we don't have to be worried. Of course, we'll be sadder because we leave our loved ones. But we know that we are going to a better place. A place where there is no sorrow, no tears, no sadness, no pain. What a glorious day there will be when we leave this life and go back to God in heaven. So what is your bucket list, brethren? What if tomorrow never comes? In view of infirmity, in view of our life being short on earth, we need to number our days in preparing God's people. Make sure that the next generation will continue to help the church to grow. In view of calamity, we need to make plans with God's will in mind. Prepare our families. We bring our children to this earth. We have a duty to return them back to God. And in, term, in view of eternity, we need to watch and be sober in preparing ourselves. Make sure that we will be there with our loved ones when life is over. Someone once mentioned that Satan's greatest ruse lies not in persuading men 
that there is no heaven or no hell, but that there is no hurry. That's very true, isn't it? Satan doesn't care. If you believe in heaven or hell, you believe in the truth, you know the truth, doesn't matter. So long as you don't do it. He does, he's not worried that you know. Because if you don't do it, you'll still join him in hell. He's not worried that we know about all the knowledge that we have to convert people. But if we don't go and bring the gospel to others, he's no, it's okay. Because you don't go and bring people to heaven. Satan wants us to be with him in damnation. His faith is sealed. He wants to bring as many with him as he can. Let us not fall into his temptation. And so brethren, let us consider, what if tomorrow never comes for us? In a moment's time, we'll be singing the hymn, Prepare to meet thy God. And uh, one stanza of this hymn says, Careless soul, why will you linger, wandering from the fold of God? Hear you not the invitation, O prepare to meet thy God. Are there any of us who have secret sins in our life, sinful habits that we need to get rid of? Well, why if tomorrow never comes? So that's why the Hebrew writer tells us, Today if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Make ourselves right with God, so that even if God, if Christ comes again the next moment, we can be assured of our salvation. And to the friends that are with us this morning, what if tomorrow never comes for you? Another stanza of the hymn says, Why so thoughtless are you standing while the fitting years go by? And your life is spent in folly. Oh, prepare to meet thy God. A lot of times, we delay and delay our salvation, thinking that we always have a next opportunity. But you know what? We are not guaranteed of the opportunity. If you know that one day your life will suddenly come to an end, why not make yourself right with God today? You can go to sleep peacefully at night, knowing that if you don't wake up, you will be with God. And so Paul tells in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. If you know the gospel, why not make the opportunity to obey the gospel this day? Why, if you are here with us for the first time, we thank you and we thank our friends for joining us for this morning's Friendship Sunday. I would like to share with you God's plan of salvation, what you can do to be saved. You'll notice that it's not a difficult part. In fact, God did the more difficult part. He sent His Son to die for us. Jesus came to this earth, died a very cruel death for us so that we can be saved. And the Holy Spirit revealed to us God's will, what we need to do to be saved. Our part, by comparison, is the easier part. We have heard the Gospel. If you believe the Gospel, what you need to do next is to repent of your sins. There are sinful habits that prevent you from becoming a Christian, from going to heaven. Change this lifestyle. Make yourself right with God. Confess Jesus as the Son of God before man and to be baptized into Christ to wash away your sins. Now, of course, if God is gracious and grants you more tomorrows to come, we have to remain faithful until Christ comes again. If you'd like to respond to the Gospel invitation, let the ones that are beside you know. Let any of us know. We'll be glad to assist you to obey the Gospel this day. Let us now sing the hymn of invitation and encouragement and meditate upon the words of this hymn. Prepare to meet thy God.
Yeah.